as a timely response to chaos. Wednesdays with Wolf is a contemplative podcast for wisdom, featuring thought-provoking conversations between Reverend Gola Wolf Richards and Marie Sola. Welcome to Wednesdays with Wolf. It's that time of the week where we're going to make you think, even if you don't want to. <laughs> Hello, Wolf. It's so I'm so happy to have another Wednesday with you. How are you tonight? I am fine, Marie. Are you well? I am. You know, I always say, Wolf, that if you wake up breathing, that's 99.5% of the battle. That's a good attitude yeah. to have. Definitely yeah, so. <laughs> because if you wake up not breathing. <laughs> Waking up dead is a bummer. <laughs> Although I'd probably be more enlightened, right? <laughs> a different experience in terms of waking up for sure. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's like, oh, I, I hope all that stuff's not going to catch up. I hope I was more not nice than naughty. Yeah. Little, little more, little more than the, the Santa list. It, it, it's a little more than just getting ash in your stockings, right? <laughs> I should say so. Yeah. I should say so. Well, you know, Wolf, I was contemplating the podcast uh-huh. and um, something made me look at Confucius quotes. And so I would like to start with a quote uh-huh. by Confucius. Please. Or that's what it right said ahead. online. So if it's not by Confucius, let's start with you telling me that this is not really a quote by Confucius. But <laughs> I'm not an authority, but nonetheless. Well, it sounds like him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a great quote anyway. So it, it really tied in a lot of what we were talking about um, in the last podcast about habits, right? Mm-hmm. So the quote is, I'm going to give you the quote, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. The quote is, All people are the same, only their habits differ. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. All people are the same, only their habits differ. It's interesting because you have that mix of what makes us the same is that we're subject to habits, right? So that's an important point for me to note. Human beings then are subject to habit. That's how we're all alike. And then predicated on us having different habits, right? We become other to somebody, uh, different from somebody else in some way or another. Yeah. All people are the same. It's interesting. If we think about the habits whereby we miss that point, that we are in fact the same, then we have the reasons why we have wars and we have antagonism because somehow or another we can't get to understanding or seeing or sensing how we are the same and therefore we can have some antagonism with the other. So all people are the same except for our habits. So that would mean we need to cultivate habits whereby we can see or experience ourselves as being the same as others. Now that, that makes actually a lot of sense. So one of the habits or the habits, because it is probably more than one that we should be cultivating to put this perhaps another way is the humanity in one another and in the way, the ways that we are the same as opposed to 
always looking at what makes us different from one another. Absolutely so. It's interesting, though, Marie, because we experience ourselves as distinct from everything else in the environment, including people. Uh, we, if we're outside, we're distinct from the clouds. We're distinct from the trees. We're distinct from the rocks. Yet at the same time, we use a language and say that I feel connected to the clouds, the rocks, the trees. I feel connected. So in terms of my perceptions of being at one with anybody or the environment at large, right? So much has to do with how I have trained my feelings, how I've trained myself to sense an other thing to be like me. And that starts very, very, very young. Uh, if you have children and you cultivate a respect for the environment, we could expect then as they grow older that they could say, I feel very much identified right, with the earth around me. Same in terms of our relationship to other people. If we cultivate, start early, cultivating the attitude of seeing the other right, as oneself, right, then in fact you can have the satisfaction of love thy neighbor as thyself, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. It'd be something that uh, would be conceivable or that we could bring to pass. So you you mentioned something um, at the beginning uh, when of what you were just saying that we're the same, but we we see ourselves as distinct, mm -hmm. as as different and apart from others. How much of that is what we refer to as ego, and then how much ego is actually healthy? Right, mm -hmm. because you have to have probably some ego. So, how much of our seeing ourselves distinctly is ego, and how much of that is actually healthy to have? Well, in the manner that I use um, the term ego, I, I would tell students use that to understand the choice maker. So, we want a healthy ego, right? Um, so as to be able to make proper choices between what's good for us, what isn't good for us, what's safe, what isn't safe, that sort of thing. So the ego has a healthy ego does a good job of discerning, making um, um, some kind of a appreciation for what is or is not to be done, what is to be eaten or not to be eaten, so forth and so on. Sometimes when people use ego, right, we use it in a sense that means how I uh, perhaps may have a sense of myself that can be, if I'm full of myself, or arrogant. So if I use ego to mean that it's too much about me, right, and not have some balanced uh, relationship to the circumstances or people all around me, right, then that would be unhealthy choosing. Because if I wanted harmony to, to come from my choices, if I wanted health to come from my choices, health in a social sense here I'm referencing, then it'd be very important for me to have my ego or to be prepared to see other people as I see myself, treat other people as I would have myself to be treated. So really it comes, it comes to balance. Again, we've talked a lot about balance in um, previous conversations, and I'm sure we'll talk about it moving mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. So ego, as you initially use it as that discerning 
voice, if mm-hmm. you will, that part of you that that teaches you how to discern. And then the arrogant piece is another way of using the term ego. That that definitely. If we simply, for myself, I've used it in, in teaching students, right? That use ego. The emphasis is on the thing that chooses, right? The, the means whereby we choose. That's your ego. So if it's healthy, I am choosing well. Of course, then we'd have to go and define what does that mean in terms of choosing well. And then you have the term, as you were just suggesting, that harmony, right, as one way of referencing what well would mean. Um, we could have empathy would come in. If I have strong capacity to empathize with others, then I know my ego is strong. If I am inclined by my experiences to not choose to see others and the circumstances around me, human and non-human, as deserving of sensitivity, as being similar to me in having sensitivity, then we'd say the ego, right, is unhealthy. Uh, we could also, you could extend that to say that the personality is unhealthy in terms of uh, generating health. Uh, harmony in the society. And so where is it a habit then, you know, because we started by talking about the fact that all people are the same, Mm -hmm. only their habits differ, right? Mm -hmm. And then we we kind of got into the fact that um, people start to uh, make themselves distinct, Right mm-hmm. and start to to think of themselves as other than mm-hmm. um, other other parts of nature or other people. So, where are those habits and in, in in starting to think of yourself as being distinct? Where do we have to be careful of the habits that we cultivate around that that cause um, the unhealthy? say, ego or personality, where you're becoming too uh, focused on self? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that it's almost always everywhere, Marie. Uh, if, uh, to my mind, uh, the way of defining a healthy human being is not the one who's absent problems, but awake to how we can become problems, right? And we're doing that all the time. So that uh, the person who's awake in that sense knows that a factor that makes a, a very important difference, right, in, in becoming unhealthy then is courtesy, sympathy, um, to um, politeness, to know how to move through society so that I am aware that I am distinct, but I always have the potential of overemphasizing my distinction uh, and um, so that the environment around me or people around me suffer a loss. So if I'm awake to that, then I'm conscious. I'm, I am um, civil. I am um, virtuous because I maintain an awareness that never loses sight of the fact that I am, in fact, distinct. But so is everything and everyone else around me distinct in the same sense. So, therefore, I, in terms of how I operate my distinction, it has to incorporate the idea that I'm in the midst of uh, constant potential to um, underplay the role that others should have in my awareness. Well, that brings up a very good point and something I feel personally that we've been hearing a lot of divisiveness 
around um, during COVID in recent months. And the whole idea of nobody's going to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I am my own person. Correct. I'm not going to put that mask on. Mm-hmm. This is my choice, my life, right? Yes. And there's, you know, I'm a rebel, Wolf. I know you find that hard to believe, but <laughs> I've got that. I've got a, re- a rebellious side. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> However, there is, in my opinion, and I'd like to just kind of flush this out without, this is just my opinion. Sure. So, yes, we need to be distinct. We need to not be under somebody's thumb. However, if we're being contemplative, if we're thinking, if we're being conscious of how we are in um, right relationship with other people in the society around us, wouldn't we want to think about making choices that are about more than ourselves? Ideally, yes. Um, Ideally, yes. But let's think about it. Um, I like to um, remind people that our earliest habits, right, begin, of course, right, as infants, as little children, right? And so there we have to cultivate the child to become an effective adult. And so we know you're not the only person in the sandbox, right? We have to (laughs) share, right? Um, We have to teach patience. We have to teach um, how ownership, right, doesn't work well when you, your sense of ownership can include everything, right? Doesn't work so well. So you have to learn how to respect the other children in the play yard. Mm -hmm. So our earliest tendencies never leave us as potentials. We always, even the very grown person, the very mature person, is awake to the fact that they carry the potentials to be immature. That those conditioned factors, which are very innocent, it's, it's not guilty at all. This is just the way nature is. We start with habits that can be less well-developed, far less well-developed than they need to be to be functional as a well-functioning citizen. So every individual then will forever run the risk if they don't work on it, pay attention to it, right, to missing the fact that the basis for all of our wars, all of our antagonisms, arise from us not effectively cultivating the tendency to be dominant over our inherent immature tendencies that we never get rid of. The really, really grown person is the one who's awake to how very childish they can be. And so that therefore then they develop a wariness of letting their childishness come out, right? As opposed to their most mature perspectives. It's also inherent, and one way of formulating this is to say that we start off with a high, high tendency for emotions to dominate in our perspectives. And then in terms of how we're cultivated to become grown, the parents around us, the adults in the atmosphere say, ah, 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 right? Uh, it's okay, right? Um, you're okay. All kinds of little admonitions come at us to keep us, teach us to learn not to be dominated by the emotions, right? Shake it off, get over it, right? Um uh, you're you're just fine. Come on, right. shake it off. So those little things are always moving toward a truth. And that is that we have a high tendency to have our emotions dominate our otherwise strong capacities to be logical. 
And that becomes a habit that can become very addictive. So then the issue of whether I'm actually choosing or am I simply being driven by an old habit that I haven't paid enough attention to, to alter appropriately. When we take note with great sympathy to people that are addicted to chemicals, we know they aren't choosing, right, to overdo, overdose, right? The habit has driven them, right, so that the actual capacity to choose, right, has been uh, completely dominated, obscuring the ability to authentically choose. That truth also pertains in other areas of life throughout civilization. So no matter what we have, racism, sexism, right, it, it doesn't matter, right, uh, whatever little ism we want to put on it, right? Every aspect of human psychology is subject to habit. So when you hear people say some so-and-so was playing some old tapes, right? They weren't being authentically present. They were acting out of old tapes. That's the truth. So I say with sympathy that when we look in the political arena, as you had given the suggestion about uh, COVID, right? And what people will or won't do. So many of our attitudes, right, are in fact habits that are not cultivated. And the deliberate, um, the need to be deliberate about cultivating our personalities is something that is remarkably very much missing in our um, um, formal education. Uh, we aren't teaching that it's by means of our ugly habits that we have all these bodies strewn all over the history of humanity, right, that didn't need to be destroyed. All these forests, all these animals, all the all of the ugly that we see is predicated on the fact that we're not concentrated on the fact that it all evolves out of uncultivated personality development. Yeah, and there, there's a there's so much there with what you just said. And I, you know, I, I write these notes as you're talking and I, and I have like a page of questions, <laughs> but I won't ask them all. <laughs> the first thing I just would like to reiterate because it's so true. And I think it's, it's something that if anybody stopped to think about it, they would go, oh yeah, doesn't mean they're going to change it, but they, they would get it is the high emotion, low logic. Mm-hmm. And I come from a, a full-blooded Italian family. So it was like, I had to learn to wrap my head around that one because we, you know, we, if, if it's not like drama and excitement, it's like, it's boring, right? So <laughs> that high emotion, high emotion, low logic. And, you know, we used to call it having an Italian temper or whatever, you know, we'd have these, these words for it. But it really is true if you stop, like when you are at that point where you've gone from zero to, you know, a hundred miles an hour with your temper and like the, the steam's coming out of your ears, what will come out of your mouth, what you will do, what you will say is so irrational, right? However, if you take a minute and step back or walk away from the situation and come back, it, just to give yourself, like, to do that experiment, if you're somebody that that typically will react mm -hmm. um, with emotion, the minute you start trying that thing where you take yourself away from the situation, calm yourself down, what you will do and what you will say is so it's so much more mature for one thing. And it's, it's like once you just 
try it a couple of times, you realize you start to catch yourself when you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, acting in the heat of the moment is another way that people would say it. You know, he did it in the heat of the moment. It was a crime of passion, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it that that is high emotion and low logic, right? That, yeah, that's true. That's and definitely it's, so. And it, it's damaging. Yeah, it's very damaging. And at the same time, though, it is so natural, right? It is absolutely <laughs> natural. And so one of the... um um, arenas where we could say we are making a mistake or have historically made a mistake, right? And that is that we don't teach about that. It's not yeah. a central subject, right? Concentrated central subject. In one sense, we make a glance at it and we'll say things that um, um, would actually be the opposite of that, that, that would suggest a balance. For instance, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Love thy neighbor as thyself, right? So those statements are so classic because they show the remedy for all of our problems right there. We end up worshiping the ideas. And then after you finish lighting your candle, right? And lighting your incense in honor of that idea, you go out and you have a very, very common attitude, right? (laughs) Which is not paying attention to maintaining that balance. And you have the history of how our bad habits build upon themselves, right? The the person who's smoking cigarettes is not smoking cigarettes um, in terms of a unique beginning every day. It's because the history of having smoking uh, smoked, right, is upon you all the time you pick up that cigarette. It's the entire history. Same in terms of collective tendencies, so that we have the history of not thinking maturely, collectively. And that would go beyond whatever our personal um, habits are, our little unit, however we identify ourselves in terms of this type of person, that type of this group or that group. This would go to the collective history of humanity at large. So we're talking here, not thousands. We're talking tens of thousands. We're talking uh, eras of development that can be typified as being immature. Uh, as, as opposed to what our mature capacities are. We have very worshipful attitudes toward extremely mature examples of human development. So we have Christ, and we have a worshipful attitude. You mentioned Confucius, we have a worshipful attitude, so forth, so forth and so on. One of the habits then becomes to uh, offer honor, right, for the great um beings, right? The great manner of showing up in life, right? But not to cultivate, right? Replication of that behavior in ourselves. So we can have a habit of, and and this is again, unintentional, of I honor, but I do not do. I don't actualize. I honor, but I do not actualize. Now, then we can have habits that defend that because Uh, If you think to children, very often, whatever mistake they've made, they'll have some kind of supposition that they'll offer to to be a rationale for why it's okay that it was done or to justify why it's done. That's natural. So fighting what is natural, contending with what's natural in human development is how we can get to world peace. Only we've not made that the central subject of discussion. You know, and it's it's so true. And, you know, the thinking about we're worshipful 
but then we don't follow through. So it's like you go to church or you go to, you know, temple or, or you go wherever you go to worship on the weekend or you go to the service and then, you know, you get out, you get in your car and you flip somebody the bird because they, you know, it's yeah. like you just, even in the little things you don't carry it forward, but it's almost, it's almost like um, I had this really interesting conversation today with a former nun and we were talking about that and, and, you know, the tradition, uh, the rich tradition of religion, we get into that, but we don't really take the essence, right? We don't always yes. take the essence with us. Yes. And so you have a whole lot of going there on the weekend or the day that you're supposed to go there and thinking that that's making everything all right with the world, but yet mm -hmm. you're not taking outside of the walls or outside of the context of that. And Absolutely. And so that is, that really, when you were talking about that, it brought up that conversation I had earlier today with somebody who was also very much around conflict resolution. So it was interesting. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking about as you were talking, Wolf, is that um, how a smart individual who perhaps has devious plans can see the habits, the baser habits of humanity and can play on those immature habits to wreak havoc. Yes, definitely so. So you think about genocide. Mm -hmm. um, you think about the Holocaust. You think about things that we've seen going on, you mm -hmm. know, with racism, what that may be. But mm -hmm. if somebody is astute enough to understand how to push the buttons of the masses on those immature habits, they can do some really awful things. Uh, not only can they do, but historically we have done, right? And and we will continue to do. It's um, the being available, right? Uh, the average person, and this is important, so I'm going to throw all of us into my idea of average, so I should better put it this way, on average, rather than to say the average person. Mm -hmm. On average, we carry a very um, ancient tendency in human development, that is, that we put the emphasis for trouble on the outside. So we could quickly verminize, right, something that's on the outside. If a baby, and you think this starts innocently, if a baby's wet, right, the baby can't change itself. It needs someone on the outside to take responsibility. If the baby's hungry, someone outside must take responsibility. If it's, if it's not warm enough, someone outside. If it isn't where it wants to be placed, someone outside. So our earliest experiences is to put the emphasis on trouble, right? If I have any trouble, right, somehow or another immediately, what must, uh, from the baby's perspective, something outside is responsible for making me feel better, making me do <laughs> have a better experience. It's outside because it's not within the child's wherewithal. We have that availability all right, to otherize than to put an emphasis on the outside. So if I'm not happy, it's easy to otherize right, and say if someone points to another group, all right, we have an ancient background that says something outside, someone outside is responsible for my distress. So therefore, let me attack it, if you would. A baby doesn't attack so much as it might yell and rant and that sort of thing. But we can translate our infantilism into actual attacks on other groups, otherizing. And again, 
if you think about what is it that we pay most attention to throughout our lives, right? It's not about the management of our personalities. That's not what our central efforts are about. So you can see why as a collective then, societally, society-wise, right, we are forever tempting ourselves to be in wars or the next unnecessary conflict because we are forever carrying the habit of not paying attention to what's most important. Wow. It's, um, you know, I'm thinking there's just so much going on right now in Mm -hmm. the world. And, And it's not the first time. It won't probably be the last time. Um, I was lucky enough for most of my life to grow up in some pretty peaceful times for the majority of my life until like recently. Um, and so now things you're starting to see things, you look outside and you see things starting to escalate and you see people dividing and you see, and, and, and then I go back and I read historical fiction and I, I look back and I say, don't, you know, folks do don't you see where this has led in the past? You know, it doesn't mean that we're, it, I'm hopeful that people won't go back there, but I, I, I just, my wish would be for people to just stop and think about where that leads. Like, where does it come from, Wolf, where the, the need to be right mm-hmm. overtakes the maturity to be kind, to be thoughtful, to think about the damage that can be done. What is it that makes humans feel so attached to having to be right? Well, I'm going to refer back to something I'd mentioned earlier in this conversation. That is that we all carry within us at all times the potential to be infantile in our psychology. So if we think about how often does the baby say, you know what, I'm wrong. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Yeah. So if the baby's having a tantrum, how many times have you seen the baby intervene with the baby's little self and say, oh, you know, this is wrong, right? <laughs> I, I, I am really carrying on way too much here. Let me let me get some balance here in this uh, little crib and make some order in this house. It doesn't happen. So consequently, we carry that as a habitual potential. And all human beings, right, our potential is to be infantile, maybe even adolescent at best, right? But we carry that potential. So when asking where does this come from, it's natural. So what's cult- to be cultivated to take care of that tendency, all of those behaviors we call virtues, things that mitigate, right, um, our tendency to be infantile and wrong. So patience is a virtue, Right. Uh, an, an adage like love thy neighbor as thyself, right? Compassion is a virtue, right? Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Empathy is a virtue because it mitigates against that infantile tendency that's always potential in our personality. So the human condition is that the primary education we should have is adult education and that it's a constant thing to maintain. And if you're not doing it, The other habit is being developed. It's an interesting thing. Nature abhors a vacuum. You've heard that expression. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not doing the right thing, the wrong thing is being done. Uh, If I'm not cold, right, I'm hot, moving toward hot. If I'm not hot, I'm moving toward cold, right? 
So nature has that instant reciprocity. It's one or the other. If I'm not too high, I could be moving down to some low ground. If I'm not too low, I could be moving toward high ground. So if I'm not paying attention to my personality as to whether it is fitting centrally right in the world moving toward peace, then it is by innocently, but nonetheless the truth, it is playing a role in cultivating and drawing nearer, right? Um, some something that could be raucous and dangerous. So, as a world population, we need to start growing the hell up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, all all of us, right? So, with that, with that being said, um, just I'm curious if we put it on a scale or a timeline, just to just to try to break this to break this down a little bit. So. If humanity uh, stays in the infantile habits, if that is like zero, and then being, I don't know, like the most mature, enlightened human is at 10, if we can move the needle to what point are we starting to see peace prevail? Do we have to be all the way at 10 and mature adult? Or like, can we get to like, toddler and start seeing things work like where as a as a you know as a society of of humans because at the end of the day we're one race we're the human race so for the human race to not end up like destroying itself with death rays like where are we going to start to see a big change mm -hmm. in that continuum mm -hmm. from zero to ten i i would say that uh, it has been operative that big change has been operative. And um, it's been hard to see. The idea of, uh, uh, you know, when you hear the adage, you can't see the forest for the trees. Got it? Mm -hmm. So since I'm going to put the emphasis on virtues, that the big uh, experience is anytime someone is in the act of, of uh, behaving virtuously. Anytime. And so it can be quite uneven that they're virtuous on this side of the street, but they're not virtuous on the other side of the street. The virtue on the uh, one side of the street still counts. So I'm going to say that virtuous behavior, some people can learn and will learn to be virtuous on both sides of the street. But if someone, to the best of their ability, is being virtuous within any circumstance, virtue itself, right, is a transpersonal, right, um, part of the universe. It represents a principle of creativity. So every virtuous behavior, genuinely virtuous behavior, right, is in fact a part of how we are getting to uh, safety. And we could say once upon a time, all right, and, and this is looking at the beauty of these virtues that are we take for granted. Once upon a time, women didn't have rights as we know in our Western world, at least right now, in terms of women's right to vote. Follow? Mm-hmm. We have, <laughs> yeah, so this is very- I say with an infantile attitude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And yet we can see movement in that direction so that you have women occupying positions that would never have been even in our Western world because it's so very new, right? You can have in terms of um, disparities with races, right? Disparate and not simply races, right? You can have nationalities, you can have subgroups within the nations, right? And we can find that the United Nations, if you would, would represent in terms of the uh, outcomes of all these virtuous, 
a tendency in the world that's moving towards something that's more ideal, more humane, right? So when virtues, any time that any human being is involved in doing a virtuous act, right, that is what we need. Now, the problem is, except we cultivate um, an appreciation for the importance how do these virtues, in fact, right, bring about elevated states of civilization? We can see it easily if we say, uh, love thy neighbor as thyself, do unto others that you would have them do unto you. Most people would say, yep, 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 that's elevated civilization because that's Christ-like, right? If you come from the Christian orientation, right, that's holy behavior, right, from many other orientations. Yep, yep, yep. But because we have the habit of not believing in the power of the virtues, how they operate in terms of change, what role they play in elevating society. We see them as isolated things, not having anything to do with the dynamics of overall change. So it makes people feel that I am powerless, except they are, and even when they're imbued by nature with the most powerful way of participating with um, cosmic change, cosmic creativity. So when does it happen? Part of it is education. So the battle is, right, how do you make um, sanity, right, interesting? <laughs> how, how, how do you, how do I don't you, know, because I've never been seen. <laughs> I can't answer that, Wolf. <laughs> how do you make social health interesting? Yeah. And so we have nowadays, right, because it requires concentration, thinking, right, um, hence the our terminology here, contemplation, right, it works against another uh, chief occupier of our thought, and that is self-indulgence, right, um, distraction, right? So at this point, it's important to understand anybody who's willing even to listen the time it took to listen to this program. If you're willing to listen to this type program, you are playing an active role in generating the potentials to save ourselves from ourselves. Now, I really like what you just said because that is very hopeful. And um, what what I heard you say, so I want to make sure that I didn't just make this up in my um, in my my Pollyanna uh, attitude. <laughs> but I heard you say that yes, that virtuous <laughs> it's the new name. I'm not Karen. I'm Polly. <laughs> I don't want to talk to your manager. I want to hug her. <laughs> And tell her that there's rainbows everywhere. Um, sorry. <laughs> I heard you say that virtuous, virtuous behavior or going out there and, and moving through the world, doing, trying to do the right thing, I believe you said was transpersonal. Absolutely. Now, how I understood that is that it, it rubs off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so true. if, if you go out, and um, I'm going to give like a really kind of basic example, but then, because then I also believe that you have collective energy that, that you don't see mm-hmm. that gets like, you know, pours out of you and, and helps balance things the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go out and you are in a virtuous 
space. You're, you know, you're being kind. You're, you know, you're, you're having a, you're having a good virtuous day. Mm-hmm. And you run into somebody that's having like bad virtuous day. Mm-hmm. But your energy and the way that you, this is on a small scale, obviously can be bigger. The way that you then interact with that person can help to bring them into a space of, it can counteract the the other piece, or perhaps it even rubs off on a person a bit, True. or the energy, right? So then, if you think of it in a more collective way, that you have a bunch of people out there doing the right, trying to do the right thing, that energy kind of starts to balance out in the universe. Yes. Important to add in that, Marie, I'm sorry to overspeak you here, but very important before to to add into that, that it's extremely important to think when you use that term transpersonal, right? That it, it goes beyond directly rubbing off. In other words, right? uh, In terms of how the universe operates, my behavior that's positive in this circumstance could be helping somebody on the other side of the globe. Yes. So to look for the result right in front of your face, right? The result you should look for right in front of your face is your own face, right? It's to, just to be good enough to know that being good is the way I should be. But indirectly, transpersonal, right? It is aiding the collective tendency to evolve so that somebody in some other circumstance is getting stronger at doing the right thing whenever I'm doing the right thing. So nowadays, one of the unfortunate habits we've developed really strong, and it has to be fought against, right, consciously, right, is that powerlessness. Modern society has made us think that we are separate units from all else and we are powerless to make big change. That shows ignorance about understanding how big change is created. Very important to understand um, how important, how dynamic the personality is. So it's not just a daisy chain of if I do right, then the person next to me will do right and so forth, right? It's quite indirect. If I'm doing right, I'm doing what the universe does, right, in terms of being creative, right? How it evolves change in a unified, holistic fashion. So my doing good is, yes, locally beneficial right in my own home, but it's also transpersonal. And can, what I, the term I use is mystical humanism. I love that. So it's like the collective consciousness, right? Yes, it is. Absolutely. So I love, yeah. So what you put out there. Counts. It it, it counts. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was reading something actually before I came up here. um, My husband had on a a show, um, which is good, but it's, it's a little dark, you know, and I won't even say the name of the show because I'm not going to plug it because they're not sponsors. No, (laughs) I'm not going to plug it anyway. But I mean, some of the, the things that we watch on TV, the movies we see can can have can be pretty violent, can be pretty dark. And I w- was reading that even when we watch things like that and and create things like that, that puts out energy into the collective consciousness yes. in the universe. Yes. So we really have to be careful about our thoughts and what we say our and choices. what we put out there. Yeah, back because to the ego. Yeah. Yeah. The choices we make. Yeah, exactly. So that the, the, um, all of our choices have impact. And, but uh, again, on average, we don't think that way. 
Um, we think the impact is, is um, pretty small, obscure, nullified, because it's just me and what I think. When we think about the nature of the universe, though, and this is where the physicists, subatomic, are way ahead of the average understanding, right? Nope, the universe doesn't operate that way. You do not have meaningless behaviors in the universe. They all count. They all have a cosmic aspect to them. So was it Confucius, or it might have been Mother Teresa, but maybe Mother Teresa was quoting Confucius, but that that saying, little ripples make big waves. I think that was Little Richard that uh, was that really that, Little Richard? <laughs> was it totally? Because he had he had really wavy hair. <laughs> His little ripples made a big. <laughs> I was, of, I was uh, making a joke about rock and roll in terms of making I, a big. Oh, wave. I'm with you. I'm with you. It took me a second, Wolf, but I'm <laughs> I'm on it. I see where you go with that. But it's that idea, right? It did, so I like I like what you say about the idea of powerlessness, like. Oh, that's so overwhelming. I'm I'm going to choose to do nothing because what could I possibly do, right? And, and like, even that thought counts. Even to have yeah. the thought. Yeah. So to understand your character as being a dynamo, that how I operate my character is dynamic in terms of whether history will be saved from our immaturity or not, that it's all on me. And if I exercise my influence appropriately, then I care about anyone who's around me, that I definitely do want to encourage them to think in that same way, right? Manage your personality as if you were gardening for the entire planet. Make sure you're cultivating, right, peace all the time. Okay, that, I I really like what you just said. So say, I want you to repeat that. Manage your personality. Mm-hmm. As if you're cultivating the planet like a garden, right? Yeah. And you always want, well, I'll add something to it. Harvest peace. Peace, excuse me. Harvest peace. Okay, wait, th- these are memes. And if anybody makes this meme, Wolf Wolf said this. <laughs> I better not see this meme with somebody else's name on it on the internet. <laughs> but th- those are right there. I mean, that is, that really kind of says it all in a nutshell. Everything we've been talking about is harvest peace. It's a cultivate it and harvest it. Yeah. Um, all the time. That's what your personality is doing. It's either cultivating a successful harvest, which is always caring about the future, uh, not being so localized that you don't pay attention to what are the impacts on the future, the children. Harvest peace, cultivate peace. I have a beautiful garden. Wolf, that is... That's actually such a positive note to end on. Yay, Marie. I, I, you know, I just, okay, say that one more time, Wolf, just in case people weren't, didn't listen. Cultivate your personality as if you're gardening the entire world, cultivating a harvest of peace. <laughs> 